Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Be frank with me here. Are you confident in how the U.S. is going to handle the security threats in the next seven days? Uh, Not at all. I am someone who has uh, lived on Capitol Hill before and after 9-11. When hijacked U.S. commercial flights bound for the West Coast intentionally crashed into the North and South Towers of the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan, defense training and spending changed drastically. I've covered Congress over the years, been in and out of that building in the last 20 years many, many times as I've watched the national security state build up around Washington as we have watched tens of billions of dollars flow into securing the entire downtown capital, not just the Capitol building, but the entire government fortress in downtown Washington now. One of the most photographed views in Washington is partially obscured by this barrier that shields the ongoing installation of a new White House fence. Uh, I've covered federal law enforcement for a decade now. And I would have told you that there was no chance that the mob could have overrun the Capitol Police as quickly as they did. And if you can watch one of the most secure buildings in the world collapse in a moment like that, um, I, I think it leaves all of us wondering how much we know about how the U.S. could withstand any number of other threats coming down the pike. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, as lawmakers prepare for impeachment and inauguration, Garrett Graff on whether the U.S. is prepared to keep the Capitol safe after the failures during last week's insurrection. There were all manner of obvious indicators that they should have seen more of this coming. I mean, this was not some low-profile rally where a couple of random protesters snuck through a side unlocked door. This was a mob incited by the president of the United States uh, who spoke to their rally earlier in the day. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. God bless you and God Bless America. Thank you all for being here. This is incredible. Um, You know, this was an event that was on everyone's mind. The idea that the joint session of Congress to count the electoral votes at 1 p.m. on the 6th of January, time written into the, the federal law. It just beggars belief that the U.S. government wasn't better prepared, the U.S. security apparatus wasn't better prepared. And that's all before we're beginning to see some troubling signs that the Capitol Police specifically, the the broader security apparatus around the Capitol, might have downplayed or ignored more specific warnings that did come from within government. We were seeing some reporting on Tuesday about an FBI warning of violence targeted at the Capitol that might have been ignored um, by Capitol Police. We're, we're seeing reports this week about how the Capitol Police did not get the reinforcements that they requested over the course of the afternoon of the 6th as the riot unfolded. And there was a whole series of tactical failures as well um, that I, I think you need to 
look seriously at the role that race played in the reaction to the Capitol Police, uh, to this mob of Trump insurrectionists marching on the Capitol. That, uh, you know, if this had been a black crowd, a brown crowd, a Muslim crowd. At marches across the country tonight, new calls for police reform, not only for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, but now mounting outrage and calls for accountability for those hospitalized or beaten back on the protest lines. It's hard to believe that the Capitol Police would have really capitulated with as little violence as they did uh, and that they wouldn't have responded with greater violence when met with the incredibly horrific violence that we are now seeing come out in the days since. I mean, these videos of the mob seizing police officers and beating them on the steps of the Capitol um, is just incredible. Um, And we are seeing some reports even that the Capitol Police were discouraged from seeking help from the National Guard in advance of the uh, rally as well. So now as the Capitol, as the nation recovers from the violence last week, there are several upcoming events where security, the safety of lawmakers, of people working in and around government are going to be front and center. And I want to go through some of those events and potential threats with you here. Let's start with Inauguration Day at the Capitol exactly one week from today. What sort of security preparation are we seeing in Washington, D.C.? And do we know of any credible threats at this point that officials are preparing for? So in some ways, an inauguration at its baseline is one of the best protected events in U.S. history. It's an unprecedented security operation by air, land, and sea. This year was always going to be a little bit different because COVID was going to discourage the normal crowds, the normal attendance, the normal parade that we associate with this very big pageantry of democracy. And there you have it, the president of the United States emerging from the vehicle to walk part of the route. In 2009, they did this twice. And as you can imagine, it electrifies the crowd. One of the questions that we are now wrestling with is we're seeing the Biden administration, the Biden transition team really, ask people to not attend at all, to stay home entirely. So there is, I think, an open question about whether you might see real violence around the Capitol, around Washington, tied to the inauguration, in part because the only people who might show up are those inclined towards violence or inclined to support President Trump as he is forced out of office. One of the questions, though, is it seems unlikely that that violence will necessarily spill over to the Capitol itself. The Capitol building, the Capitol complex is now ringed by the high, secure, non-climbable fencing that we should have had in place prior to last week. Now there are metal detectors outside the House chamber for lawmakers and their aides to go through 
before going onto the floor of the house. Um, we are also seeing reports that thousands of extra National Guard will be deployed to help ensure the event runs smoothly. And the Department of Homeland Security has actually started the security preparations early, declaring the beginning uh, early of what is called a national security event, a special national security event, which is the technical government designation for things like the inauguration or the Super Bowl. In the weekend leading up to Inauguration Day this coming weekend, the FBI is also warning of armed protests at all 50 state capitals across the country. What do we know about this threat of armed protests and whether states and cities are prepared to handle them? What we do know is exactly what you're saying. The FBI has put out a warning that it is seeing potential online chatter, as they would call it, leading to the possibility of widespread armed protests across the country in state capitals and in Washington. The FBI is saying that the armed groups are threatening to stage an uprising if Congress uh, were to remove President Trump. One Congressman. One of the things is we need to start being really careful about the nomenclature that we're even using in discussing these things. Um, you know, I would argue that uh, armed protests have no place in our style of democracy and that if you are showing up armed to a protest this weekend, following what happened last week, that that's, that's not a normal protest. You know, that is not a normal First Amendment activity in the way that we encourage a, a robust public debate around our civil discourse. Um, you know, that is an action uh, that is more akin to potentially participating in an insurgency, in an insurrection. And that that is something that we're really going to have to wrestle with and think about over the weeks and months ahead is how do we begin to differentiate what we are seeing take place across the country right now from the types of terms and definitions and experiences that we're used to uh, during what I would call peace times. On top of all of this, today, lawmakers are set to debate impeachment and vote on impeaching President Trump for the second time. This is seven days after the insurrection at the Capitol. It's another large gathering of lawmakers. It's a vote, in essence, that takes aim at Trump and denounces his actions. Is there any concern that there could be more violence, the potential for more violence or attempts at violence as Congress votes on impeachment today? Yeah, and not just the impeachment vote, but, you know, members of Congress anywhere they are in their daily lives right now seem to be a target of anger and hostility that we are unused to. I mean, we've all seen videos of congressmen and women being berated and attacked in airports traveling to and from Washington. Take a look at this video at Houston Airport, Bush Airport, as Congressman Al Green returned home from Washington, D.C. He says he was harassed by people identifying themselves as Trump supporters, even chanting four more years, and says police had to escort him. There was some really incredible video of a pro-Trump mob haranguing and threatening Lindsey Graham at Washington National Airport just after the protests last week, where 
you know, Lindsey Graham, who has been one of the most steadfast and loyal defenders of Donald Trump, was being called a traitor and had to be escorted by police out of the concourse and into a secure location uh, for his own protection. Um, and, and so I think you are seeing that type of fear. You are seeing that type of threat uh, become very commonplace for members of Congress, um, you know, just in this last week. Garrett, Graf, thanks so much for talking with me. Always a pleasure. Also, today, starting on January 26th, the U.S. will require that all international air passengers entering the country test negative for coronavirus. The CDC announced the move on Tuesday, marking a broad expansion of pre-flight testing that the airline industry hopes will replace restrictive quarantines and help reinvigorate air travel. Under the rule, air passengers will be required to test negative up to three days before their flight to the U.S. departs. They also must provide written documentation of their test results or show they've already recovered from the virus to the airline. In a statement, CDC Director Robert Redfield said, quote, Testing does not eliminate all risk, but when combined with a period of staying at home and everyday precautions like wearing masks and social distancing, it can make travel safer, healthier, and more responsible by reducing spread on planes, in airports, and at destinations. And... As members of Congress prepare to vote on impeaching President Trump for the second time, Trump is defending the speech he made last week before his supporters launched a deadly siege of the Capitol as, quote, totally appropriate. Yesterday, in his first live remarks since the insurrection, Trump tried to deflect blame, but his speech, where he fiercely attacked both political allies and rivals before urging supporters to march on the Capitol, along with other remarks, have possibly exposed him to criminal charges for provoking the rioters. They also serve as the basis for an impeachment article accusing him of inciting the insurrection. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Nerdcast, Global Translations, Politico Energy, and Pulse Check. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.